All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, November 15th of 2023 here. Looking to have, we have an eight-game NBA main slate tonight. We have a four-game NHL slate, and then we have PGA teeing off early tomorrow morning. So get your lineups in tonight if you are playing PGA. But with that said, for those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You're getting questions in one of three ways here. First off, send us an email, support at SaberSim.com. Second, post it live in the YouTube chat. Third way, post it in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord and want to get access to that channel, there is a link in the description of this video. You get access to our similar channels as well. You get access to individual sport channels, and you get to have conversations with other members of the community as well as other members of the SaberSim team here. So can't say enough good things about the Discord. But with that said, we're going to get the app pulled up here. Uh, as always, want to remind you guys, if you are not signed up for our weekly max challenge, it is a promotion slash giveaway we do during the NFL season here. You can get signed up to our uh, DraftKings one using this green enter the challenge button. The link to this page is in the description of this video. You get weekly rewards, season long rewards. All you got to do is follow the eligibility requirements down here on the bottom. And then we do have an owner's box version as well. So um, for the owner's box, you do not have to sign up. You just have to play. And then we will reach out to you from there. Actually, I think I forgot to do this on a Monday, but if you are the winner for the owner's box challenge for Monday, uh, please send us an email support at sabersim.com. I think we've been having trouble locating the winner, uh, the person who took that contest down. So please reach out to us. Thank you. But with that said, we're going to get Sabersim pulled up here. Uh, only a couple of questions here to get us started today. So if you guys have questions, today is a great day to get those in. So first question came in from Glee here. Uh, Jordan actually responded to this, but I thought this was definitely worth covering twice. So the question was, okay, I've been confused. Can somebody help? Which numbers matter and which numbers percent should I aim for? ROI, risk-adjusted ROI, win percent, cash percent. I think this is a great question. So when you run a contest sim, which I already have a set of lineups that I built here, so I'm just going to run a default contest sim. So just set something up real quick. And going to click run. So when you, when you run this, okay, you're going to get a couple of metrics. You're going to get ROI, risk adjusted ROI, win rate, cash rate, ROI standard deviation and dupes. Okay. So what happens is that we run the contest sim and then we provide those values for each lineup. So you're, you're going to get the ROI, the win rate, the cash rate, the standard deviation and the dupes. What happens after those numbers are created is that Saber sim goes in and then it creates the risk-adjusted ROI. So the risk-adjusted ROI happens after the fact. So the risk-adjusted ROI looks at all those other metrics, and then it gives it a score. So that is why we say that risk-adjusted ROI is the most important, because it is weighing how the lineup did, how all of those other percentages came in, and then giving it a score at the end. So the risk-adjusted ROI is not created during the contest, Sim. It is created after the contest sim by looking at all of the other metrics that were generated for each lineup. So risk adjusted ROI is our favorite here. And that is what we would suggest that you sort by after running the contest sim, but really good question. All right. Next question here. Question says, 
I'm sure this question has been asked, but I wanted to know in NBA DFS, what would be the best way to create a core group, increase exposures, create a lineup rule? Great question. So if I wanted to create a core, what I would do here is I would go to lineup rules. I would go to add new rule. I would go to group manual. And then, I, you know, say I put three guys in this rule. I would say use at least three. And then now this can be your core. It will be in every single lineup that you generate into your pool. will have these three players in it. I think this is the easiest way of creating a core. Uh, another option here would be to go to those three players. You could lock them in with the lock icon. Uh, there it is. So just taking a second. So you use the lock icon. Basically what the lock icon is, is a quick way of setting 100% minimum exposure. So really three ways, right? Set the rule put 100% exposure in the minimum exposure column or just use the lock feature and all three of those ways basically work the same here. All right. Next question here. Question says, following the profit planned and in NBA tonight, I have eight different contests. I'm in all I'm in with all different types, single entry, 3 max, 20 max, 150 max. Would I need eight different lead swap tabs or would I get close enough simming all the single entry three max together in one tab with a single contest sim and 20 max, 150 max in another tab with a single contest sim? Okay, good question here. So the way that you described, so so basically what the profit plan says, right, is you have two builds, one for your single entries and three maxes, one for your 20 max, 150 maxes. So those are just for lineup creation, right? Within each of those, so, so I'm going to give you guys two ways to do this. So within each of those, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Within each of those builds here, right? The way that I like to do it is I like to select a contest from each set. So maybe my favorite single entry or my favorite three max, and then my favorite 20 max or my favorite 150 max, and then use that contest sim for all of all of those lineups. And then I just have the one contest sim really because NBA news breaks very late and it's very hard to have all of these different contest sims and then go through each one and then, you know, filling them appropriately and all those things. So I think it can be very, very uh, hard to do if you're in a time crunch. So what I like to do is just have two builds, one contest sim for each build, and then use that as my proxy. And then uh, basically assume that, Hey, you know, if I'm optimizing for this one contest, then it should be good for good enough for all of the other contests as well. So that is uh, my preferred way to do it. But another way to do it is that, say, within this build, right, uh, remember that you could build up to 10 contest sims at once. So, you know, I could have contest sim one, contest sim two, right? They're just going to get a list here, and you could have five to ten. So what you could do is swap contest by contest and then just run the appropriate contest sim if you had, like, a lot of time between games. And, like, maybe, like, you know, when there's, like, a short slate, it's, like, a two-game slate, three-game slate, you have, like, an hour between or something. Uh, you could probably go through and swap contest by contest and then run the individual contest sim for each one here. So that's another option. Definitely takes a lot more time. All right. Next question here from Bill's Nut. Question says, after I build my NBA lineups, I have been applying Jordan's strategy of filtering out all negative ROI lineups. I have noticed as I late swap, there are times when after I do that, there are fewer than the number of my lineups built that have a positive ROI. Last night, there was one where there were none at all. Should I only use lineups left with a positive ROI, even if all of my lineups do not late swap? Or should I add the negative ROI lineups back in? I am wondering if this means the lineups I've already, I have already are better than replacing them with negative ROI lineups in late swap. Okay. Um, so 
actually, that's not exactly what I think is happening. What I think is happening is that however your lineup is doing up to that point, basically your lineup is not doing good. And Saber Sim is basically saying that there are no swap options for this one lineup that it thinks are positive ROI over the long term. So what I would do here, ooh, this is this is a tricky one. So what I would do here is I would always make sure that the number of lineups in your build settings before your swap is the same as the number in my lineups. So let's say that, you know, I have 20 in my lineups. I don't know what happened here. Okay, so let's say that I have 20 in the number of lineups. And then let's say that I have 20 in my lineups, right? When I laid swap, I would make sure that the number in my lineup says 20. So if you set a filter and it goes down to 10, I would loosen the constraints. So if you're at 0% ROI, I might go to negative 10%. And then if that gets me to 15, I might go to negative 20%. Like make sure these two numbers match always like always make sure they match because if they don't what's going to happen is that saber sim is just going to use your original lineup and you, you're probably always better off late swapping in this case so basically it's just saying that there are no swap options below your filter so it's just giving you less lineups overall so i would just always make sure those two numbers match and sometimes you're going to have a bad lineup and you know saber sim is going to do the best it can with it the good news is that you know there is still a chance that you cash, right? If you go down to your lineup summary stats and then you see, oh, you know, I'm negative I'm 10% ROI, but maybe I still have, you know, a 15% cash rate. Like, hey, you know, that's still a chance to make some money back on that lineup and Saberson is optimizing for that outcome. But that is what is going on in that case. Very good clarifying question. All right, Noah said, I keep getting burned by the top owned slash chalky plays for NBA. Is it possible to get players into lineups? that aren't the most owned. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason that players are highly owned, right? Like the field is not dumb. The field does understand like, hey, you know, so-and-so plays are, are the best plays of the slate. So like I wouldn't be trying to, and, and Max and I talk a lot about this in our NFL review shows. Like you shouldn't just be blindly trying to fade the chalk. Like there is a reason sometimes not to play them, but there is also a reason why their ownership is coming in where it's at. So don't just like blindly fade the chalk. Uh, Sabersim does a great job of giving you enough chalk pieces based on the type of contest that you're playing. We've seen it over and over in our review shows where sometimes you're playing a smaller field. It is okay to play a much chalkier lineup. Like one thing I've seen in NFL is that you might have, you know, one to two low owned pieces and like the highest sim ROI lineups for like a smaller field, higher stakes contest. And then in a larger field, you might have, you know, four to five lower owned pieces because the field is so big because you need that leverage. So really depends on the contest you're playing. Sabersim does a good job of, of balancing those things out here, but I would not, you know, blindly fade, fade the chalk or blindly play the chalk, like uh, help let Sabersim help you decide what options are going to be best on that given slate. All right. Larry said, following your profit plan, you enter the larger slate contest first up to 50 to 75%, then enter one in three entries for the balance. Should I use all of the same lineups 
for the one and three entries? Great question. So we actually suggest that you put a unique lineup into each entry. So if you have 192 uh, entries total, when you're done entering your lineups for the profit plan, I would build 192 lineups. Uh, there's definitely a argument like against this. Like maybe you're playing like some satellites on like FanDuel and like, you know, what you win is like a $9 ticket. So you don't want to put like a unique lineup in there and, and maybe it ends up being like your highest scoring lineup. Like I'm okay duplicating sometimes, uh, but it really depends. So generally I would say enter a unique lineup into each entry. There's an argument for like looking at the contest where the percent to first at least matches or exceeds your nightly bankroll allocations. So like maybe you're playing $50 in entry fees tonight while entering a unique lineup into the dime time where the first place prize is only $10. Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe, you know, you at least, if you win first in any contest, you at least want to win your money back. So I I'm not opposed to doing it on like a contest basis like that, where you like count up the contest you care about enter that many unique and then you just duplicate those lineups into some of your other contests in your portfolio as an example. Good question. All right. Carol said, do you have any suggestions for NBA contests on FanDuel applying the DFS profit plan? Uh, yeah, I would basically always start with contests under $3. So the 5 cent, 150 max, the 25 cent, 20 max, even the $2 and 22 cents. Sometimes it's a 20 max. Sometimes it's a 25 uh, max. You know, the $1 single entry, I think there's a $1 three max, uh, the $5 single entry. I think there's a $10 single entry as well. Uh, those single entries kind of jump a little faster on FanDuel. I think there's a $2 single entry and then don't be afraid to mix in some of the satellites as well. I think that those are totally okay to play. Uh, satellites are cool because they give you access to higher dollar contests that you normally wouldn't buy in for at a discount. Right. So I, I definitely think it's okay to mix in some satellites. All right. Uh, Larry said, should you, should, should you use different lineups? Should you use mini uniques? If so, how many? Uh, so we definitely talked a little bit about the lineups part of it. Oh, it's starting to rain here. Uh, I could hear it coming down outside. Uh, so should you use mini uniques? So this is a good question, right? So my answer to this is generally yes. And the reason for that is because mini uniques helps you to diversify your portfolio. So I like to use the example of like when you actually look at the contest on your app, you're going to see if you're not using mini uniques that usually your lineups will be kind of all to the left or all to the right or all in the middle, like basically grouped together. When you use mini uniques, what you're going to see is that your lineups are actually spread out across the standings because they're so different. You are guaranteeing that X players within your lineup are going to be different from every other lineup in your set. So if one player gets hurt, if one player has a bad game, if, if, you know, if all of these things happen, well then, hey, you know, you have you have diversified yourself enough where you're not going to end up with this negative, you know, 95% ROI night. And instead, you're going to be a lot more spread out. So one of the easiest ways to see this is I right now at Mini Uniques of one in my 100 lineups, I have 36 players. When I go up to Mini Uniques of, you know, a max here, which is five, I went from 36 players in my player pool to 64. That is a huge jump. That's almost double here, right? No player above 37% at mini uniques of five. While at mini uniques of one, I have, you know, almost 10 players above that threshold here. So you can see 
how the exposures organically change and how SaberSim adjusts your player pool accordingly by using this tool here. So it's definitely a tool at your disposal. You do not have to use it, but I definitely suggest using it. Jeffrey said, regarding the menu unique in the build setup, what do you suggest using without degrading the original SIM too much? Uh, yeah, so if you're using SIM mode, then you get to use it as a post-build filter. If you're using it as optimizer mode, then you're using it as a pre-build input. So there's two different schools of thought when it comes to that. I would never really use optimizer mode unless I was playing cash games or, you know, head-to-heads or like triple ups, maybe um, anything like that. So that's really what optimizer mode is built for. It's built to maximize projected points and to build you the highest projected point lineups possible. So in that case, you really don't want to use any more than one mini unique because you don't want to sacrifice projected points basically ever in cash games. Noah said, can you set the minimum price on players as in no players under 4K on NBA? I found lately getting pushed into those stars and scrubs players recently. Oh uh, yeah, you can definitely do this. So next to this search icon, there's this filters. So if you just click this and you click add a filter, you go to show players with salary greater than, and I'm going to say 3,900. So you get those 4k players and then boom. So now it's going to take those guys out. So one thing that I really suggest doing whenever you set a filter is sort by the, the item in question, right? And this is probably better done in a new build where I don't have any exposures set. So let me do this again. So salary greater than 3,900. And then what I would do is sort by some of these values, right? So like, I like to sort by value. Like, hey, am I getting rid of the highest value players on this slate? And if so, you know, do I want to rethink this, this uh, filter? You know what I mean? So like you're getting rid of like three out of the top eight values on the slate. You know, that might be worth rethinking. Like a lot of play people are playing these plays. Uh, another way to do it is just by raw projection. So like how highly projected are some of these plays and where are they coming in at is another way to do it. You can look at by ownership, right? Like, oh, you know, what plays am I getting rid of that are going to have ownership? Or you can do it by salary and you can just scroll down here and then you can, you know, come to the point where you're making that cutoff and then see what some of those, who some of those players are, right? So then you can make some determinations about what you want to do from there. So I'd always just like, don't just blindly set the filter set the filter and then see the impact that it's having on your player pool. And then just make a conscious decision to say like, yes, this is the impact that I wanted. And this is the impact that I'm, that I am comfortable with. So as long as you do those two things, I think you should be good. But that about does it for all the questions for today's show. Uh, we, we will be right back here tomorrow, 2 PM Eastern for our Thursday show. NFL does return tomorrow. So it should be a fun day. So until then, everybody take care. Good luck in your contest. I will see you all. Thanks. Bye.